1: Hello and welcome back to episode 59 of the Rugby Renegade podcast. My name is Jamie Bain and today I interview Zach Evanesh, the underground strength coach. Uh, We talk about all sorts of things in terms of strength and conditioning, uh, but we go into depth a little bit more into stuff that might help you right now if you're still currently in lockdown uh, with the coronavirus uh, pandemic. Um, Yeah, some great advice in terms of bodyweight training and then if you do have access to equipment what you can do then Uh, but just great great information in terms of overall training so give it a listen and let us know what you think. Zach welcome to the Rugby Renegade podcast Uh, let's start by you telling us a little bit about your background how you got into strength and conditioning and who you've worked with.
0: Cool thanks for having me on Jamie. Uh, Man been doing the strength and conditioning uh, for about 18 years now 2002 is when I kind of turned it into my profession, which started a bit on the side because I was a phys ed teacher working in the schools and uh, started training a couple local kids in my neighborhood out of my mom and dad's uh, garage and backyard with some uh, equipment that we or that I purchased used from a gym that had moved and then another little fitness studio that shut down. So The early 2000s was a unique time because it was a very, it was new, you know, being a strength coach was kind of emerging as this new profession and you didn't hear much about it. You really heard it more in the phrase of you're a personal trainer. And so I got into it kind of by accident because I was teaching and I had the summers off and I wanted to take my bodybuilding background as along with kind of this new philosophy that I was developing in my 20s, which was, you know, I was a, a wrestler in uh, high school, and then I coached wrestling through college and after college. And so my bodybuilding background didn't help that wrestling. So I started, like, copying what you would see from Rocky Four, Rocky Three. Um, I remember seeing World's Strongest Man as I was a kid in the early 80s. So I started borrowing those things and started training athletes with a bit of old school bodybuilding work, a bit of training with stones and tree logs and throwing car tires and pushing my truck. And, you know, I didn't really know exactly what I was doing, but the athletes I was training, they were getting stronger. They were getting tough. They were getting fast. Um, their confidence was through the roof and they were getting built, man. They looked like brick shit houses. And I was like, damn, this is firing me up. So I really went all in, obsessed over all that. And uh, I tore my ACL around eight. And June fighting. And so that really pissed me off. And I started researching how the best wrestlers in the world were training. And the best wrestlers in the world at the time and still, really leading the way, but not not as much so, was uh, the Russian wrestlers. So everything I researched on Russian wrestling training, it kept bringing me back to uh, the conjugate system. Articles on elite FTS, West Side Barbell, and I'm such a passionate, obsessive person that I I, I kind of uh, dove in so deep I would. You know, I saw a phone number for Westside Barbell. I called Louie every week. Louie was selling VHS tapes. I bought every training tape and then training DVD. He had the free articles on his website. I printed them all out, put them in a the three-ring binder, studied them, you know, applied them, experimented with the methods. And um, it just kept kind of blowing up from there. And in 2007, opened up my first warehouse And uh, the underground strength gym. And before that was, you know, 2002 until 2007 was a garage, backyard, and local playgrounds. And you could go back and see some of our earliest YouTube videos of our guys training in a garage, training in the backyard, carrying tree logs, climbing rope, flipping tires, pushing trucks, you know, jumping on and off picnic tables, we were doing that shit before the coronavirus made it like, you know, now everybody's like, oh, train with cinder blocks. I was doing it because I knew it would get us tough and strong. And that's what our athletes that I was training needed. And so since then, you know, the training has really evolved. You know, back then was a lot of guesswork, was a lot of trying to figure it out training athletes really for my first time. Now, you know, I I can't even tell you thousands upon thousands of kids I've trained from youth through college through military. And so now it's, you know, a proven formula
1: yeah and i'm i glad you mentioned that because that is one of my questions coming up you know training in, in the current environment um so we we will touch back on that but um yeah really interesting i i wonder how many other people are kind of inspired by that rocky four trading montage to to go into being an S&C coach and and trade in general definitely that's i agree with you there um uh now you've had some great results with with youth athletes um so what what's your approach to training with these these athletes um you know, you spoke a lot about West Side Barbell. That's a lot of what they do is is based on powerlifting. How have you kind of transferred that to your young athletes trying to improve sports performance?
0: You know, <clears throat> the first thing that I looked at was, I'm looking at, you know, I had first spoken to Louis so many times. And so I was reading his books, yet what he would say to me was, there was a lot of flex flex space. There was a lot of room to experiment. So the main thing was you got to train them to get strong as hell. You need the absolute strength method. But if you're going to train combative athletes, rugby players, wrestlers, football players, then you don't want to just focus on the one rep max, right? Which people think is the only way for absolute strength. He really got into my mind the idea of special strength training, which was training strength endurance, speed endurance, power endurance. So doing a lot of supersets, doing a lot of repetitive efforts in the three to six rep range with sub max weights, and so I'll use the conjugate method for exercise selection and and switching up how the exercises we use, which helps avoid the overuse injuries. And also, athletes like rugby players, football wrestlers, they have, they're so eccentric. They they kind of they 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 like all of the changes and so i'll use the conjugate method with regards to exercise selection but then i'll use the concurrent method for training on the daily basis which means <clears throat> i don't like to really just do strength work focus for the day or dynamic work focus for the day i found that as athletes it it gives them a better preparation for what their body and mind need to be prepared for in sports. So we incorporate speed and power work after the warm-up or the warm-up segues into, you know, the plyometric work. We incorporate strength and repetition method for building muscle and building muscular endurance. And then we always have some sort of a finisher with carries and sleds and – that was really inspired to me early days days louis simmons early days dan john early 2000s you know louis was telling me about training the ufc uh fighter kevin randleman and uh, kevin randleman passed away some years ago but basically kevin randleman was a national uh two-time national champ wrestler uh could have been a three-timer but he stopped wrestling he didn't wrestle his senior year in college guy was an animal and you know he would gas out against jujitsu guys. So Louie would boost his strength endurance. He'd have him do 10 minutes of a barbell clean and press complex. He would do like this, this three rep complex, like every 30 to 45 seconds. Then he would talk about training these wrestlers and they would throw medicine balls for five minutes straight. They would slam them down for 10 reps, throw it against the wall, 10 reps, just keep going and going for five minutes. And so, I started looking at that, saying like, man, we need to up our conditioning versus the the common just go out and run conditioning. And uh, then he would tell me about guys, you know, dragging sleds for a mile or carrying stuff for time, carrying water-filled kegs. And so anytime he shared an idea, I was on it. So I started getting kegs, and we filled them up with water. We filled them up with sand, um, sandbags. I was making all these heavy medicine balls that they now sell we we started utilizing them and it was just it was just powerful man like it was like this is the shit that works it never it never denied to deliver powerful results and so it's kind of like been the system that we stick with get get in a warm up which is athletic based with speed and power work and throwing objects and jumping and doing calisthenics with you know, a flexibility and mobility focus, then moving into the strength and power work, yet organizing it with supersets. So you're getting your conditioning up and then doing our finishers, all different kinds of carries. Dan John, I remember back in the days where he was working with Jim Jones, you'd see him doing a lot of these carries and sleds. And so I ordered my first sled from Louie. I remember I'd call him up, then he put his wife on the phone to do the ordering, and he my first sled came in the mail with like no box. It had a book of stamps taped, taped to it. So every time I tell people that story, they're like, "Holy hell, that is hilarious!" He, you know, he was answering the phone from his house, and so the sleds we would utilize at the uh, where I lived, where I was training the athletes in my garage and backyard at the. End of the workout, I kind of break it up into 20 minute segments. It was like 20 minutes in the garage, 20 minutes in the backyard. Then we'd get in my truck and we'd drive like down the road. At the end of our development was an elementary school. And so in the evening or on the weekends when school was closed, they had this big open grass field in the playground. So I'd have athletes like push and pull the sleds across the grass. Then they'd sprint to the playground. They'd get under the picnic table and like military press it, then do box jumps on the table. Then they would do pull-ups off the monkey bars, sprint back, push my truck. Then there was a hill. I'd have guys sprint up the hill and then wrestle with each other at the top. So it was like I was really pulling that stuff from Rocky (laughs) and then listening to Louie. And then to build the muscle, I just looked at the way the guys were training more so from like the 50s and 60s, even a little bit before the golden era of bodybuilding, and a lot of those lifters, they were powerlifters who were also bodybuilders, and they could also do a lot of gymnastics work, hand balancing, you know, high volume calisthenics, so it was, everything was an experiment, and then like Bruce Lee says, just, you know, absorb what is useful and discard what is useless, and that's how the training evolved, and you know, today training is different because the kids are much different. I'm training so many different kids, whereas my early days of training people, Jamie, I just had tough people showing up. Like I could, they would, you know, somebody would throw up and they would just get back to the workout. And as the years evolved, it's like if somebody's feeling a little nauseous, they're like, I'm not feeling good. I don't, I don't think I could. It's like the world is going to end. So my training has had evolve for
1: the type of people yeah definitely you've covered uh, ton, tons of stuff there like loads of good ideas and, and kind of stuff that's you know kind of relevant for for today in this current environment and um, you mentioned you've had a lot of experience working with combat athletes wrestlers and football players etc um, now specifically when you're You're training that, I guess, explosive power to dominate contact. What's your approach there? You've already mentioned sleds and pushing trucks and stuff, but what's what's your go-to, I guess?
0: Well, you know, you got to build a suit of armor on the body. you got to put muscle on people. And I think bodybuilding has been shunned, but the bottom line is, like, you've got to put muscle on people. And so if there's no muscle on the body, you know, especially for – Younger athletes who are like teenagers and early 20s, just adding muscle builds strength. And adding that muscle, which then builds strength, builds speed. And if you're training in rugby, especially, you know, you're practicing, you're sprinting during practice. So you're getting a lot of your power work. So what I like to do is those moderate rep ranges. I love the five by five. It's always been kind of like a proven system. Of getting people stronger putting on that blend of size and strength you know some people call it functional functional size functional bodybuilding and so five by five is is just great but I'll also do eight by three twelve by two you're getting about 25 reps but I, I feel like you got to put muscle on if you're afraid to put on muscle Um, And most field athletes are not it tends to be kind of like the martial arts type athletes the combat athletes They want to stay light and skinny And I always tell them like there's there's no benefit in being skinny and weak It's just not going to help you so if you're hungry you got to eat and your training should be focused on of course Performance but part of that performance is putting on the muscle. So is there a go-to exercise It depends. It depends on the person. But, you know, you can't go wrong with different kinds of farmer walks, different carries, whether it's carrying kettlebells, dumbbells, sandbags, you know, water-filled kegs, uh, full-body exercises like power cleans or heavy shouldering, picking up heavy med balls and sandbags from the ground to the shoulder, uh, or clean and press, any variation, whether it's a dumbbell, kettlebells, barbells. And then, of course, squatting, deadlifting, benching, overhead pressing, bent over rows. It's not one exercise that's kind of the make or break. It's, you know, can you put them all together? And does the athlete follow through on what he needs to do outside of the gym? So we could have a great training program for the whole team. But if half the team screws off on their nutrition and lifestyle – you know, only the half that follows through on the lifestyle is going to be the ones getting the, the powerful results. So, you know, I've seen how two athletes can train side by side for like several years in a row and one athlete thrives and the other one does not. And it's a lot of the outside factors, nutrition, you know, sleep, mindset, these these things that are the make or break factors are the things that tend to happen, outside of the gym. You know, not that you could have a crappy program, but, um, it's got to be a hundred percent with everything versus, Hey, nutrition, 70% training 30%. You know, I say, Nope. You know, uh, everything is a hundred percent. That's it. It's a, a, put a hundred percent to everything if you want to win. And that's, you know, how I look at things. When I train people, I tell them like, I'm not, if you don't want to follow through, then you, you're not going to be able to work with me. I'm not, I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm like getting like cranky and old because it's like, I just want to work with people who take the information and run with it. And so I sometimes look Jamie at these old powerlifting books from the guys that <clears throat> set world records in the seventies and eighties, you know, Bill Cino, John Cook, um, Bill Kazmaier, And it's like, all right, they did what would be viewed as like a power bodybuilding routine. And nothing fancy nothing fancy. All barbell work, a little bit of machines, and some high rep calisthenics like push ups, pull ups, and dips. But they did a lot of things like five sets of five. In fact, they even did higher reps than what a lot of power do today. And they did, you know, the linear every week they did you know sets of 12 and 10 one week sets of eight the next six four two leading up to the meet and it's like you look at how they lifted and it's like they'd squat and they'd work up to like a heavy five or a heavy triple then they'd be done then they would bench press and work up to like a heavy triple and then do three sets of 15 like burnouts and so they, they just didn't Complicate what it took to get strong. It was like squat, bench, deadlift, do curls, do push ups, do sit ups, you know, run fast. And sometimes I think we get so specialized and so uh, fancy that, uh, you know, that this is why a lot of athletes we now talk about shit like, uh, oh, do they buy into what you're talking about? Do they believe in it? It's because they've been. You know, bombarded with so much fancy stuff on the internet, they don't. They some kids don't even want to do the hard basics. They want all the fancy stuff. And I've trained athletes who were like, "Oh, I can't squat, I can't deadlift." And then those athletes always lose when it really counts. You know, I, I could, can't really imagine too many rugby players. You know, if if they avoid squatting and deadlifting and power cleans and benching. Um, they're going to be at a disadvantage, not just physically, but also mentally, because you get confidence when you're able to squat heavy. You feel tough when you're doing power cleans. And so training is never just physical. It's always mind and body. And if you have a rugby player who's like, well, instead of squatting, I need to stand on this wobble board, close my eyes, and you throw the medicine ball to me, they, they must have... Seeing something on Instagram or YouTube, now that's what they believe in. And I've trained athletes like that who thought that that's what they needed to do instead of the squatting, the deadlifts, the jumping, the throwing of med balls. And it's like, look, man, the best people are doing these best exercises for a reason because they provide results.
1: Yeah, that's that's awesome. You've you've covered a couple of my my uh, next questions there, but you, you've given tons of ideas of, of training approaches and and two really good lessons for for athletes there. That you know, it's sticking to the basics, and it's not just that's the stuff away from the gym that, that counts. As great great message there. Uh, now, this is a question we ask all the guests on the podcast, and what, you might have already just touched on that as well. Um, what is the biggest mistake rugby players make when it comes to strength and conditioning?
0: What's the biggest mistake who makes the coaches or the oh, the uh, players
1: players yeah and obviously um, you can just put that down as athletes it doesn't have to be rugby players
0: yeah I would say the biggest the biggest mistake in training you know training is kind of like an umbrella term when I say training I don't just talk about the things in the gym I talk about things out of the gym and it's pretty much what I just said so biggest mistakes are you get caught up in the fads and the gimmicks you start doing exercises <clears throat> that look cool but don't challenge you and also don't really deliver results. They don't make you stronger, faster, or tougher. So, you know, staying away from the basics is a mistake. The barbell basics, the heavy dumbbells, the kettlebells, you've got to squat, you know, you got to do some sort of pressing motion. I think squats are really the key movements for the majority of athletes, rugby or not. <clears throat> and then the other big mistake is, The poor lifestyle outside of training. So if you're not eating properly, you're going to cancel out any results you could have gotten from training. And uh, sleep is huge. And I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I coach at a high school full time. And I scream at these kids. Like if you're yawning, don't yawn. And then you find out, oh, they don't go to bed till 1230, 1 a.m. Then they wake up at 630. You can't be a beast sleep, going to bed after midnight, sleeping five hours. You need eight hours minimum, preferably nine hours. Then they need a good 30, 45 minute nap, maybe an hour nap during the day. So the training can be very good, but if the lifestyle is crap, then that will cancel out everything. And so kind of like what I said before, it's 100% to every everything, not just 70% of this, 30% of that. They must be committed to everything. You know, a good story is my buddy Joe DeSena, who owns the Spartan Race, he had read a book or a blog, actually, and it was called uh, Will It Make the Boat Go Faster? And um, I'm not sure which one, uh, um, but basically – they wanted to win the Olympic gold medal. And they said, everything we do has to be, will it make the boat go faster? So, all right guys, we just train hard. Let's go to the movies tonight. All right. Will it make the boat go faster? No. Okay. We're not going to the movies. All right, guys, let's get ice cream. Well, will it make the boat go faster? No, don't do it. Well, that's the obsession you need if you're training to be great. And some guys genetically can get by without it. They could party and do all that stuff. But look, I've been at the college level, at the higher levels of college wrestling, and it always comes back to bite them in the in the ass when they're not doing all the right stuff when they party too much, smoke a little pot, oh I just smoke pot on the weekends. It adds up. It adds up. It starts catching up to them because the competition, there's plenty of, you know, hyper dedicated guys out there training to destroy the people that are only going at 80% effort you know
1: yeah definitely so it it was a British uh, rowing team actually and I I haven't read the book but um I had a sort of presentation by one of the one of the rows and yeah it was it's quite inspirational and and a a really good way of looking at things um you know whenever you've got to make a decision does it actually improve your performance or or take you to where you take you closer to where you want to be so it's great great point there um now yes (laughs) as I'm sure everyone's aware we're in the in the middle hopefully in the middle and things get better of lockdown um and people are stuck at home um struggling to not able to get to gym and struggling to train so um if if they can only rely on bodyweight training they've got no equipment at home what would be your suggestions to them
0: i tell people if you don't know how to do anything you all know how to run and do push-ups everybody in the world knows how to run and do push-ups and i tell this to my son i go "You, you want to become a better athlete go sprint outside and do push-ups. And I don't care if it's high rep push-ups, clapping push-ups, feet elevated, close, you know, any push-ups are great and sprinting is great. And so whether it's sprinting hills, whether it's doing just 100 meter sprints, 400 meters, so on and so forth, sprinting and push-ups are gonna be the king. From there, you know, then it's like, okay, what equipment do you have? Can you do pull-ups somewhere? Can you do squat jumps? You could squat jump anywhere. And we do all kinds of jumps, whether it's broad jumps, frog jumps, you know, uh, hops on one foot, and then after a certain amount of reps, go to two feet. Um, all of these exercises are great, but I always come back to push ups and sprints. They are tops. And of course, I love lunges, I love split squats, one legged RDLs, but now you're starting to get fancy. I like to man just attack the basics Herschel Walker you know calisthenics and sprints that was his that was his thing can't go wrong with it
1: yeah definitely great great advice I I still try and include push-ups you know in a regular program I think they're kind of underutilized I think they're really good for shoulder health and, and, and basic strength and Tons of different variations of them to keep, you know, keep uh, athletes sort of enthused with the program. Um, And then so moving on from that, if you've if you've got someone who's got access to a couple of kettlebells, a couple of dumbbells, what would you what would you suggest to them? Clean and press
0: carries snatches. And if you have lighter ones, go out to an empty field and do throwing. So do like a clean and instead of pressing it up, like throw it forward like you're throwing a shot put snatch throw, rotational throws. Um, Did an interview or did a podcast with a buddy of mine uh, Dean Miller and he did a Olympic camp out in Canada for shot put and it was um, uh, I'm forgetting you know, Louis Simmons always references uh, the coach who wrote the book on special strengths. Let's see, I have his book Uh, right here. I think so yeah, was it for Koshansky, who was the throwing the hammer coach. Oh, Bonnerchuk. Bonnerchuk. Yeah. It was Bonnerchuk at, at this like Olympic village in Canada. And um, my friend said Bonnerchuk had him, instead of throwing the shot put, he often had him throwing d- the dumbbell, like up to a 60-pound dumbbell, like a shot put, to just give him the special strength needed. So they didn't have a 60-pound shot, so he, they had him throwing – the heavier dumbbells with the same motions and so uh throwing and sprinting and jumping and carrying is some of the best stuff you could do
1: yeah that's some awesome advice there um finally uh again question we we ask everyone is what advice would you give to an upcoming strength coach
0: yeah i like this question because the younger strength coaches of today not all of them but a lot of them are struggling in a lot of ways Number one, their work ethic is just not impressing me. I I tell a lot of them, I go, guys, I'm 44. I'm waiting for you to outwork me, to out-energize me, to out-coach me. And so I feel like my background in wrestling has certainly helped. But I say to my coaches on my team, they're younger. Like, guys, if you had a child on the floor and you were a father looking in, would you be proud of the way you're coaching? Are you coaching more than just the technique? Are you motivating? Are you talking to them about life? Are you high energy? And as much as people say that strength coaches shouldn't be like rah-rah cheerleaders, let me tell you something. I don't want to be around a coach who's not pumping me up, who's not bringing the thunder, bringing the energy. And so I'm on my coaches about that. Like, guys, I don't want to see you on your phone. You should be Talking and coaching and exhausting yourself by the end of the night You should be bringing the, th- the thunder and so coaches need to have more energy number one number two They need to learn how to do research. So instead of Messaging me on Instagram. Hey, how do I do this? Hey, do you have any business tips? Yeah? I've got a hundred hundreds of articles and podcasts that you could search them right on my podcast Like show me that you're willing to research and do the work before you just say, hey, hand me the answer. And that to me is, you know, where's the work ethic? And so those two things right there, I believe, can take a coach very far. So let's say I am, you know, you've applied for a job at my gym or we're working at a university and I want you to coach a group. Well, what am I going to think about your coaching style? Do you command the room? Are you, do you look good, right? Do you look like you work out? Do you, do you have energy? Are you clean shaven? Does your hair look good? Um, do you have a smile on your face? Are you able to adjust your coaching or did you learn that, you know, this kid is working real well with your high energy, but this kid might need you to walk over to him and and just kind of, you know, quietly give him like a piece of, you know, uh, coaching feedback. Are you able to have multiple personalities within the same you know, coaching hour, coaching group? So a, a lot of this comes down to work ethic. You know, are you willing to work at your craft? Are you willing to research and learn and be open-minded? Um, but hard work is going to be a big ticket for strength coaches because it's a, it's a damn tough job. You have to put in you – know, it's a lot of hours. Not that I agree with that, but it is what it is. And you're, you know, you are, you are the conductor of your orchestra. And so can you command that orchestra or are you just kind of coasting, hoping everybody, hey, I could just put this workout on the board and they do it. No, you're the coach for a reason. Teach them, motivate them, talk to them about life, go beyond the sets and reps And so, you know, I know that's a lot of advice, but it comes down to being a worker. Are you a hard worker? Legitimately a hard worker.
1: Yeah, great stuff. Great stuff. And then aside from that, in terms of research and things, are there any books that you'd recommend to young coaches?
0: Oh, yeah. So Encyclopedia of Underground Strength. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that's my book. Um, uh, I'm looking at my desk. Purposeful Primitive is amazing by Marty Gallagher. Uh, books by Louis Simmons are awesome. Uh, I love my buddy Josh Bryan's stuff from Jailhouse Strong, all of his books. And I think what's important also is um, reading a lot of the old books. I'm just going to walk over around here to my desk. The old books have a lot of great stories that sometimes these these coaches in their 20s, they, they don't understand of the power of these basics. So I think I'm looking at my desk here. Super Squats is amazing. Uh, the Complete Keys to Progress, which are all these old articles from uh, John McCallum. Uh, let's see what else I got here, trying to find some of the older books. I have the original Westside Barbell articles that were written from the uh, Strength and Health magazines, uh, actually Muscle Builder and Power magazines. So those are amazing. And there is somebody on Amazon who sells all those Westside Barbell books. The name of his book is, let's see, it's in. My book <laughs> – the name of that book is um, Forgotten Secrets of the Culver City Westside Barbell Club. So that's a pretty good book. Um, I mentioned everything by Louis Simmons. Jim Wendler's books are great and a lot of the early books from Pablo. So he had a lot of early books like <laughs> Beyond Bodybuilding. Um, those books are great and um, – you know, looking for knowledge. I, I have a membership site where I post old articles. I post current videos from our gym. It's got thousands. It's 15 years that we've been posting information and in, in there. Old videos from Dr. Ken Leisner, and uh, that's the uh, UndergroundStrengthCoach.com website. So for, you know, you got to read books, but you also got to dig in uh, to the internet. Uh, the book The System by Johnny Parker, great book, and Arnold Schwarzenegger's Encyclopedia of Modern Bodybuilding, the first edition, the early one, because there's a, a lot of great – you know, th- there's training methods in there that you're going to need to utilize with regards to intensity, building muscle, the importance of atmosphere, kind of like training philosophy stuff that we don't really – get into so much in a lot of these modern day books that are so like specific sprint specific and so on and so forth. Um, anything by Dan John is great. Brooks Cubic dinosaur training is great. I'm just looking here on, on my bookshelf. Um, I have so many great books. I love it. The old books, like I said, by Pavel, um, are great. And I I buy a lot of old stuff, you know, I go on eBay, I I was going on eBay, I think I was buying some of these old books, Jamie, I don't even know if eBay existed at the time. And so I would buy books from the early 1900s, like The Way to Live by George Hackenschmidt, Um, The Mighty Adam is a great book on the strong man, the the mighty Adam. So I I look at not just strength and conditioning books, but strong man books, you know, kind of like methodology books versus, you know, the very black and white type books of here's how we do things, you know, so I gave you a long list of books I also have videos that I've posted on my website, so they can just type in uh, book and
1: cool. are you still there? still there, Zach?
0: I'm still, there. I'm still here, bro, so yeah, basically I said I've done videos of a lot of my favorite books, so if this list was kind of exhausting them, they could just go on my website and type in strength books, bodybuilding books, powerlifting books. They'll they'll see uh, videos I've done on my favorite books.
1: Oh, awesome. Well, we'll, of course, share, share links to that um, in the show cool. notes. Um, and, yeah, I, I like looking back at some of those old books and um, yes. and realising that they were training like that, you know, 100 years ago, and it's kind of techniques have been popularised today as the new new big thing. It's like, well, no. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, some some great suggestions there. And now I, I know uh, we've run out of time because um, you've got to get – get and take the family to the gym which is one of the perks yep. of owning your own gym in this environment um but uh lastly where can people learn more about you
0: uh, go to zach strength.com z-a-c-h strength.com and uh strong life podcast on apple podcasts
1: awesome and again we'll share uh share links to that in the show notes um great. just to to wrap up zach uh, great to talk to you um yeah tons of tons of great information in terms of training and and kind of the background behind it um, and obviously you're doing great things and I've followed you for, for a long time and I can attest to the energy you put in like some of the videos I've seen um, in terms of bringing that energy you're, you're one, of the, one of the top coaches for that and uh, it's great to see um, but thanks very much and of course stay safe in this um, strange times You too, my bro. Stay safe out there. Thank you so much. Thanks, Zach. Great to have you on. Uh, Tons of great information there for uh, athletes and coaches alike. Uh, Much appreciated and all the best in the future. Uh, To the listeners out there, please continue to support us. Um, Tough tough time for everyone, so it's great that we're getting positive feedback about some of the content we're putting out and glad it's helping you. Um, And To help, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, on soundcloud stitcher itunes tune and whatever you use for your podcasts um, and of course check us out at rugbyrenegade.com and on the social media uh, outlets We've got tons of good content to come and more podcasts so stay tuned
0: thanks for listening to the rugby renegade podcast for more quality rugby strength and conditioning information check us out at rugbyrenegade.com rugby renegade building machines